sure. put a lot of resources into developing a domestic chip industry in recent years, but hasn't had a lot of mm-hmm. success. Can Lou Her turn things around, and how's he going to do that? Yeah, I think uh, uh, the markets we have to say. I mean, the government uh, wants to put a big uh, investment on that, but still, I think it's not one night. Uh, one night, uh, you can not see results overnight. So, yeah. so it, it it depends on the industry and from the bottom to up. Uh, the whole whole chain has to sh- show advanced technology improvement on. on both the, the upper stream, stream and the downstream. So, so this is a, it's, it's a global, it's a whole production chain effort. Okay. Yana, always good to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. That's Yana Wu, Chairman of Zheng Rongbao. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Looks like it's going to be an important day in the markets today. Asian stock markets all slipping. Uh, the ASX 200 in Australia is off 1.7%. The Nikkei 225, its declines are increasing now. It's down 3%. Uh, over in South Korea, the Cosby is off almost 1%. Uh, futures markets on the Hang Seng indicating a decline of 1% there at the open as well. Uh, gold is rebounding. It's $1,772 an ounce. Uh, Brent crude oil is also up this morning, about a quarter of a percent, uh, trading at $73.78 a barrel. Do please join me again tomorrow morning. We'll have all the latest business and market updates for you on Money Talk at 8 o'clock. Stay tuned for Back Chat after the news. Hugh Chiverton and Mike Rouse will be with you this morning. The weather forecast for today, mainly cloudy, few showers, isolated thunderstorms at first. Uh, very hot with sunny periods during the day, maximum temperature of around 33 degrees. More showers tomorrow, which will be... Uh, Heavy at times in the following couple of days. It's 30 degrees, 83% relative humidity. There is a very hot weather warning in force this morning. It's 8.32. Samantha Butler has the half-hour news. Pro-democracy newspaper Apple Daily could be forced to shut in a matter of days, according to an advisor to jailed founder Jimmy Lai. Mark Simon, speaking to Reuters news agency from the United States, said the company had no more access to funds after authorities froze its assets under a new national security law. He said the company planned to hold a board meeting today to discuss the way forward. He also said staff were worried about their safety and some of the paper's reporters were receiving threatening calls. Liberal Party lawmaker Felix Chung says the government's consumption voucher scheme has spurred many small businesses to start using electronic payments. The government announced on Friday that the first of its planned e-vouchers for adult residents would be handed out in instalments from August the 1st. Mr Chung said now that the coronavirus was under control in the SAR, he expected the vouchers to help boost the local economy. We understand that there's quite a lot of small businesses that they didn't use to do the electronic payment, but because this time it's very attractive. I mean, if you don't set up the electronic payment, they just lose the opportunities this time. So they are all welcome and getting pretty excited about this opportunity. Police say a growing number of people are allowing money launderers to use their bank accounts as a result of the SAR's economic downturn. The force's Financial Intelligence and Investigation Bureau says it received close to 25,000 reports about suspicious transactions in the first five months of this year, a 15% increase compared to the same period last year. The Bureau's Chief Superintendent, Lam Man Han, says the rise of online banking and virtual currencies have made money laundering harder to spot. 
these accounts, uh, virtual banks account or, or uh, cryptocurrency wallet are very easy to open. You don't need a face-to-face -face interaction with the account provider. It provides a, a very convenient and fast method for everyone to do a money transaction. It is very difficult and uh, complicated for us to trace the money. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Bank Chat. I'm Hugh Chiwetel and your co-host today is Mike Rouse. Mike, good morning to you. Good morning, Hugh. Today we're talking about press freedom and cash for public housing cures. Apple Daily is asking the government to release part of its frozen assets so it could pay wages, adding it's only enough cash to let the paper run for several more weeks. Authorities on Thursday froze $18 million worth of assets under three next digital companies as 500 policemen raided their offices and arrested five of the media outlet's directors for allegedly calling for foreign sanctions and breaching the national security law. The chief executive of Next Digital and the editor-in-chief of Apple Daily have been denied bail after being charged with conspiracy to collude with foreign forces. John Lee said he had reasons to believe the assets belonged to a crime syndicate and that ordinary journalists should cut ties with these criminals before it's too late to repent. Is the raid and prosecution a threat to a free press here? Do you agree that authorities are selectively using the national security law to arbitrarily target independent media organisations? Will it encourage self-censorship? Or should journalists feel safe if they just report facts? And what do you make of the different fates of RTHK and Tarkung Pao journalists in court for identical offences? Let us know your thoughts. You can leave comments on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can email us, Backchat at rthk.hk or you can call us our number is 233-88266 233-88266 and after 9.15 we're going to be discussing uh, that scheme for uh, cash handouts for people queuing for public housing for extended periods once again our email address backchat at rthk.hk let's kick off with this from uh, Herman uh, Herman says uh, dear Backchat I'm sure the western media like the BBC the same people who last March loudly trumpeted that NATO was intercepting 10 Russian planes a day, even though Russian planes never crossed into NATO airspace, has already made up its mind about the Apple Daily and will scream about heavy-handed tyranny from Beijing as, the, as will the academic community, the same great ethical folks who paid students $350 each to join in riots over a year ago. Herman, they did not pay students to join in riots. Uh, Herman goes on, but let's say a real journalist, one with objective integrity who only report facts, gave the government the benefit of the doubt, learned that in actual fact a foreign power had been paying folks in Apple Daily to sow discontent that resulted in the terror and suffering we suffered through in 2019 and published his findings. We know the BBC would bury this journalist story. The question is, does RTHK have the integrity not to? So far, the betting pool overwhelmingly favours no. By the way, I hope you read this early in the show so my dear friend and favourite conspiracy theorist, Maoist Matthew, has a chance to send in a particularly fragrant message both to make my day and show that he can really stink outside the box. That's from Herman. Thanks so much indeed for that. Joining us for our first discussion we have with us now, Mark Pinkston, former Government Chief Information Officer, C.K. Lau, Head of the Department of Journalism at the Baptist University, and Grace Lung, Lecturer in the School of Journalism and Communication at the Chinese University of Hong Kong. Once again, our email back chat at rthk.hk. Grace Lung, good morning to you. 
Oh, good morning. We could, yeah. we could start with you. What, what do you make of that, that raid? Of course, this was the second raid uh, on the uh, next uh, offices. So now we have the uh, we have officials, we have the editor-in-chief and, and so on uh, uh, in jail, uh, no bail. Uh, what do you make of uh, what went on last week? Uh, I think uh, that uh, raid is uh, quite alarming to the journalism industry in Hong Kong because... Uh, uh, I think it sent a strong signal that um, um, not only to the organization um, that um, maybe they had some coverage or discussion over the, um, uh, their opinion. I, I think that there may be, uh, because the, the uh, security branch uh, bureau did not get a clear uh, explanation whether what kind of articles uh, will be offended or violating the national security law. So uh, it will uh, send out some chilling effect to the whole uh, journalist industry uh, because uh, uh, people will worry whether even though we report the facts uh, about uh, different people's opinion, for example, if uh, there's a seminar talking about different kinds of opinion, so even though you cover it, whether it will violate the national security law. So uh, I think at this point, we are not really clear. So there will be a lot of uncertainty. So as a result, probably the industry will exercise a, a higher degree of self-censorship. So it may affect um, the circulation of opinion and also uh, the Ms. reports. Ms. Lo, yeah. Isn't there a difference here? If, if I, in an editorial, call specifically for foreign governments to take action against... Uh, Chinese officials and uh, Hong Kong officials. Um, that's one thing. If I report on a seminar where someone said this, um, I'm just reporting a fact. So is, can't we distinguish between the two? Yeah, uh, I think um, nowadays we have a very clear distinction between these two. But since the government did not. The government official did not give a very clear uh, explanation on this. Whether the articles or maybe the suspected articles they accuse of um, uh, inviting foreign uh, in intervention or maybe uh, interference to uh, sanction Hong Kong and the Chinese government. Whether these are coming from right. the facts or the uh, commentary. So. Uh, if we don't have that clear distinction, or maybe the court at this point not yet rule whether right. they are coming from the news or coming from the commentary. So we, we are only speculating. Yes, of course, there's a difference. Even though we report those kind of seminars, we'll be affected. Yeah, there's a difference between my opinion and John Lee's opinion, necessarily. So, yes, I don't have the power to arrest anybody. What about the number of policemen involved? That struck me. 500. Just, yeah, our signal. That is a very big issue. Right, someone's so invading that, uh, Hong Kong. We, we intimidated. Yes. Well, perhaps yeah, that was uh, a deliberate and, tactic. It tried to intimidate the um, journalist uh, industry uh, as a whole. So, it, for people of Hong Kong, so different people may have different opinions. Some will feel, oh, if you are, you take it as a, such a big issue. Some will feel, oh, probably uh, if we don't mind sacrifice part of our freedom. But for some of them, maybe they still want to resist. So, but many still come out to support Apple Daily. Maybe they 
just trying to challenge whether, oh, at this point, you challenge Apple Daily as um, uh, violating the national security law. So at one point, probably we will say, even though we buy Apple Daily or we share the articles, we also offend the national security law. So they just try to uh, see what, which will be the line or the, the, the red line. So uh, at this point, we, they still want to stick to their press freedom that they are still enjoying at this point. So we don't know what uh, people's uh, response. But at least it, it had intimidating effect. So uh, judging from the fact that uh, yesterday there's a news uh, saying, saying that some uh, park and shop, they um, remove the display of some of the Watson's uh, still water uh, because uh, that branding or the package of the distilled water uh, has said something uh, related to um, some association or probably because of the, the branding is uh, Hong Kong is beautiful. And then there is some uh, slogan uh, saying that uh, no matter whether you are in Hong Kong or out, out elsewhere, we are still loving Hong Kong. So that kind of uh, association, it seems uh, they are related to uh, the buzzword of the uh, period social movement. So uh, I think that kind of self-censorship will become everywhere if uh, people are being intimidated by the violating or, impede, uh, or, or breach the national security law. Yeah, just to, ex to explain that, Watson's had some uh, bottled water with, with, with slogans. Uh, Hong Kong is really beautiful. Uh, there is a spirit called persistence, and no matter whether we leave or stay, our roots are here. And uh, it's reported that some, some parking shop outlets have removed those bottles because they were considered it, it to be... It sounds like what people shouted when I was running the marathon. Uh, <laughs> the water revives you, go gaiao, you know, add oil and all the rest of it. It doesn't sound terribly revolutionary. Uh, Mark, Mark Pinkston, good morning to you. And good morning, Hugh, and, and to Mike and CK. Thank, um, go on, yeah. I, I, yeah, I think, I think Mike, Mike was spot on earlier, uh, where there's a huge difference between inciting uh, and uh, comment, simply commenting on something. Uh, inciting is with intent. So if anybody is saying we, we should seek independence for Hong Kong uh, and that we're going to hold a rally to do so, that is incitement and is therefore a criminal offence. But if somebody is at attack, uh, a TED talk or whatever and say you know, these demonstrations in Hong Kong you know, have been pretty bad uh, and um, they're complaining about interference by the government and things like that. That's comment. I think that freedom of expression, freedom of the press, uh, is not absolute. In every country, there are laws of what the press can do and cannot do. And, and even the UN Charter uh, or the UN uh, definition uh, on, on press freedom, it says it, it has to be balanced against social values such as the citizens. Citizens' the right to to privacy and justice, and the nation's security. Uh, and when we're talking of nation security, which are the cases currently in, uh, highlighted in Hong Kong. But Mark, f five hundred pe people to arrest five people. Oh, I, 
I agree. That's, that's totally over the top. No, I, I really thought maybe Macau's invading that, Hong Kong or but something. But that's not an accident. That wasn't, that's not just a, like an, an oversight, is it? That's the, that has the Deliberate intention. deployment. Yes, but Mark, on that point, on that very point, John Lee's comments in LegCo about don't associate uh, with these criminals. Uh, wait a minute, Mr Lee. People in Hong Kong are innocent until proven guilty. Well, They're not I, criminals yet. Yeah, I, my God, I'm, I'm agreeing with you for everything, Mike, unusual. <laughs> see, you in the, <laughs> see you in the bar in the FCC in that case. It'll be all round. But, I mean, when, that, I, when, when I heard John Lee make those comments the other night, I actually cringed. Yes. You know, uh, you, you know, mate, the, the government is not like it used to be, I'm afraid to say. And then people use common sense. And now there's more of a tent of, of some of our senior officials just shooting from the, from the hip and um, not actually realising the consequences of their comments. Right. And I, I, I had uh, a Father's Day lunch with, some, with my family and some friends yesterday. And, of course, it always turns into a political <laughs> debate. And, uh, and we spoke about the John Lee statement. And, and I said, look, and they were looking at me because they know I'm pro-establishment. And I said, look, I totally disagree with what he said, and I don't think he should have said it. And, and the people came back to, but it's the government. Right. I think that, that's a bit of a problem we have at the moment. Exactly. You and I debate it and we discuss it. Okay. But when a minister comes, a minister especially with the power to uh, direct the commissioner of police to do various things, a minister who can make a judgment on what is criminal behaviour, whoa, if he's saying it, that's a different ball game, well, isn't it? Right. But, but, you know, maybe these things aren't kind of incidental or, or, or accidental or, or oversights. They're part of a deliberate campaign of intimidation. The, the, the 500 policemen were there for a reason, as they, as they were in the past. The fact that the whole well, the officers were declared a crime scene and everything was, could therefore be, could, could be uh, investigated. Um, these, these are not accidents. This is the intention. This is the whole motivation. Uh, Mark, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, you know, maybe you're 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 looking for excuses. Maybe you're you're putting you're putting your head in your sand and ignoring the the uh, the uh, reality. Um, no, I, no, I think the police have totally overreacted. Um, in the first raid, uh, I think they used about two hundred officers. That was going to be my next question. You know, two hundred didn't scare you. We've got hundreds more. And if you draw comparison, if you say everywhere has, you know, rules about press limits on press freedom, I don't know many places where you get hundreds of armed, presumably, police raiding the offices of, the, of a popular newspaper. I've never heard of that. Well, I think that the reason for that is because the press in other countries have not committed any, any offences against national security. I don't know, Iran, maybe? North Korea? No, no, but you're saying that's because they're guilty. That's that's. Well, 
That's why it hasn't happened anywhere else. <laughs> in those countries, that, that appears to be the case. Uh-huh. But, it, but in Hong Kong, we still stick to the rule of law. And when the number of people saying... But you're arguing this backwards, Mark. Yeah. You're, you're saying the reason this has happened here and it doesn't happen anywhere else is because, because they're more guilty here than they are anywhere else. No, they're, they're more guilty in other places. <laughs> uh, no, what, what I'm saying is that people in the last couple of days say, well, we don't know what the, what the newspapers are saying, you know, or the newspapers that were seized. Well, they're never going to know until the case comes to court because these articles are collected as evidence. So the police are not going to say uh, what was in the article until the evidence is produced. Uh, They've got to tell the defence lawyers before the case gets to court. Well, they could could do. do. No, you've got to disclose the evidence. Yeah, but in that case, they've got to be careful of the duty. In other words, if if defence lawyers uh, make public um, evidence held by the police, uh, they could be in trouble themselves. All right. Also with us is uh, C.K. Lau, now head of the Department of Journalism at the Baptist University. Mr. Lau, good morning to you. Uh, good morning. Hi, good to talk to you again. Um, thanks very much indeed for joining us. What do you make, first of all, of the, uh, of the raid last week? What do you think are the, are the lessons? Uh, uh, do you have any concerns when it comes to press freedom in the light of those events? I think in a liberal, in any liberal society, I think for the police to mobilize such a big uh, team of uh, officers to raid a newspaper, whatever the political persuasion, uh, is regrettable. I think uh, um, certainly. I think uh, if you feel that uh, a newspaper has uh, published in uh, things that is not acceptable, I mean, contrary to law, you can take action, legal action. I thought. I, I, I really doubt the practical value of uh, having so many officers reading the newspaper, right? I think, uh, uh, you know, gathering evidence, I think, uh, computers, I think you need to uh, use so many people. I, I doubt it. I think, uh, as, uh, as the two other commentators uh, said, I think, it's, uh, I think the symbolic meaning of that is more important than the I mean, real practical value of the, of the raid. They just want to show... I said, other media that, well, you better behave, otherwise we would take action. I think, uh, but I think it's backfire on the, on the, on the government, and I think it's uh, a, a very wrong signal to other parts of the world that Hong Kong is, uh, well, changing for the worst. What about that, Mark? Because you're an ex-GIS person, GIS responsible in part for Hong Kong's overseas image. How does this kind of... Even with people who don't buy the whole Western narrative, and I think a lot of people now are quite suspicious of some aspects of the Western narrative, this looks bad, doesn't it? Are you, are you uh, addressing your question to Mark? Yes. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't... I can't quite hear this. Can you, can you repeat that, Mike? Oh, yeah, I, I mean, if I'm sitting in London or, or anywhere in the US or anywhere in Europe, and I don't necessarily buy the whole uh, Western narrative about everything China does is bad. Yeah. But if I see 500 policemen, most of whom probably are armed because that's just part of their normal uniform, 500 armed policemen going into a newspaper? <laughs> it, it, no, I agree with you, Mike. You know, as I said earlier, this has been a total 
overreaction. I actually, I put it all down to John Lee. I think he's been totally overreacting, become paranoid uh, on um, on the national security law, and um, it is getting out there. You don't need that 500 coppers storming in, into a, a newspaper office. I think it was way off whack. C.K. Lau, do you think that press freedom is under threat in Hong Kong? Are you concerned? Well, uh, we're all concerned. I think uh, I think uh, uh, many commentators have already made the point that I think the chilling effect on the press is uh, very strong. Uh, you know, the national security law that we have, which was imposed by Beijing without consulting uh, consultation in Hong Kong, uh, it's very different from the uh, 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 pieces of legislation that we are uh, familiar with. I think uh, that are sort of passed on, I mean, I mean, the common law tradition. Uh, I'm no lawyer, but if you look at the wording of the law, the thing is, I mean, there are many things that are, I mean, the meaning is not clear. And that's why I think uh, these uh, first cases uh, about the national security law, I think, deserve a lot of attention. Because you're using a lot of language that uh, uh, that common law lawyers, I think, uh, find unfamiliar. Um, for example, um, what is meant by hostile action? What do you mean by provoke hatred? And um, and also, I think in, in, in the current case, right, the police. Hello. Yes. Yeah. Carry on. Yeah. Yeah. The police uh, said uh, Apple Daily has since uh, 2019 published uh, dozens of articles calling on foreign countries to impose sanctions or take hostile actions against Hong Kong and the central government. The thing is, uh, I think there was a lot of discussion as to whether this law uh, uh, has retrospective effect. So this law was uh, introduced on July 1st last year. Uh, but then the police saying that, well, I mean, some of the articles that they had problem with uh, were published in 2019. Okay, of course, I think... I don't know what specifically I think uh, uh, the, the police is referring to. But basically, I think uh, the industry is looking for clarity. Right? All right. Um, we all accept that I think free speech is, I mean, there has to be some restrictions about free speech. But the, the point is, at what, I mean, where the line should be drawn, I think there's a lot of attention to that effect. Um, I think. Mike has already uh, just now mentioned, right? I think there's a difference between somebody actually calling for uh, overthrowing the government or whatever, and, 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 and the media reporting the views of that person. It's not very clear as to whether I think a general reporting of some extremist views, right, would be considered a violation of national security law. So I think a lot of attention uh, is being focused on how the law it's actually going to be right. enforced. But, but of course, and even before the national security law was implemented, there were uh, promulgated and, and now being implemented, there were old laws uh, lying around the place, weren't there, about sedition uh, and incitement and so on. Some of those very archaic, some of them derived from common law. So, so although we talk about the retrospective effect of the national security law, whether it has a retrospective effect. Presumably, if the police so felt, they could charge people under the old laws. Uh, I think you're right, Mike. I mean, if you look at back at history, uh, what I can remember, I think there were uh, two cases, right, in which uh, the government specifically took action against the media 
1952, there was one case, and 1967, there was during the riots. There were, I mean, in both cases, right? You have the, I mean, communist uh, 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 newspaper in Hong Kong have been targeted by the colonial administration after certain events. In 1952, it was because the paper, I mean, several uh, 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 communist papers in Hong Kong, they published uh, People's Daily editorial criticizing the colonial authority for blocking a group of uh, uh, people from the mainland who was trying to come here to to to, to uh, show their sympathy to fire victims of Dong Tao Chi. That was in 1952, uh, because I think the people, the delegation from the mainland was blocked at the border. There was somehow a gathering of people of their supporters, and they, I mean, there was some rowdy confrontation between the police and the and the protesters. I mean, I mean, I mean the people who were gathered to work with that delegation. Shots were fired. Uh, people got killed. Uh, it's archive history, right? But mm. for denouncing the colonial government, and republishing a People's Daily uh, 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 article, very critical of the uh, colonial administration, several newspapers were prosecuted. Right? And I think uh, I, my memory serves me as well. It's not compiled, it's temporarily shut down, but uh, it was sort of then allowed to take action, I mean, uh, publish again. But of course, I, I, I'm not too sure whether uh, an army of police officers were sent to the newspaper's office. I don't think so, right? That's one case. In 1967, we all know it's a uh, well, cultural revolution inspired rise in Hong Kong, right? Again, I think uh, after certain events, several newspapers were targeted. They were prosecuted and temporarily shut down. Okay. Well, we've got, we've got a break for the news now uh, at uh, 9 o'clock. We will continue the conversation and uh, share also thoughts from uh, listeners uh, in uh, emails and uh, on Facebook. Uh, once again, our address, backchat at rthk.hk. Uh, so we're going to be talking about uh, press freedom in the light of the uh, Apple Daily uh, raid and also talking about cash for public housing cures. The weather mainly cloudy with a few showers. There's now a thunderstorm warning and a very hot weather warning. The latest reading 30 Celsius at the moment with a relative humidity now of 83%. Back in three minutes' time. By a faith in political institutions, President Emmanuel Macron's centrist party has also fared badly. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back, back chat. This Monday morning we're talking about uh, press freedom. Later we're going to be talking about support for people waiting for a long time for uh, public housing. Uh, we want to hear from you. You can call us on 233-88266 uh, or you can email backchat at rthk.hk or you can go to our Facebook page. That's backchat on rthk radio 3 and uh, comment there. Bruce on Facebook says, please be careful how you look, who you talk to, what you read. John Lee is watching. <laughs> and uh, we did invite Mr. Lee, actually, to join us uh, today. Uh, we were turned down. Uh, anyway, um, a comment from... Um, here we are. This is from Will, who says, The Watson's Water Story uh, that we mentioned earlier hasn't been run by any other news outlets than Apple Daily. Can RTHK confirm or deny it? Uh, if it's true, then are we to assume Lee Ka-shing is now considered rabidly yellow camp according to NSL Special Police? Do they know anything about Lee Ka-shing? Um, that's from uh, Will. I, I have seen it. In, I've seen it in the Hong Kong Standard. That story. So presumably it's run, it's run by Singtao. In the Singtao, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, probably other places uh, as well. 
James says, uh, Press Freedom RIP. Morning, may I congratulate the police commissar and the lady in beige in the big white house and the secretary for polyester suits and that clown in the building in Western. I can't be bothered to Google his name for not just destroying the rule of law and press freedom, but ruining the reputation of Hong Kong internationally to please some old men in Peking. Welcome to the new special authoritarian region. However, they don't break our spirit, our laptops, our typewriters or our pens or are having old white apologists as commentators. That comes from uh, James. Uh, Alan says, as everybody on both sides knew from the start, the purpose of the national security law is to give the CCP a hammer to crush anyone who criticises it. So far, they've used it to prevent all political opponents from even running for office. Now it's the term of media to be cleansed. Sending 500 police to raid a newspaper is insane when the supposed charge is a news article which the government already has. It's simply brute force intimidation, both absurd and intentionally terrifying. While the Wu Mao will keep saying every country has a national security law, these apply to terrorism and revealing military secrets, not opinion pieces, no matter how abhorrent, not people waving a flag or singing a song. Fairly sick of your Wu Mao callers talking about Maoist Matthew. I know him and the idea he supports any of Mao's policy is absurd. It's Xi Jinping and the CCP that is turning Maoist. Um, that comes uh, from uh, Alan. Uh, and uh, Matthew himself says, uh, Pinky, uh, this is addressed to uh, Mark Pinkston, if I'm not wrong, you were the campaign manager for Regina Yip's failed run for CE in the last election. I don't know if you'll be doing this again, but if you were advising her now, what position would you suggest she takes on the Apple Daily crackdown and on press freedom in general? Stand up against it or support it? Uh, also, as a former head of the government information or propaganda department, what do you think the chances are that Hong Kong will still have a free and open internet in two years from now? Uh, what about that that uh, first question? Uh, Mark Pinkston is with us, a former government uh, chief information officer, uh, along with uh, C.K. Lau, head of the uh, Department of Journalism at Baptist University, and from the Chinese University, Grace Lung, a lecturer in the School of Journalism and uh, Communication. Uh, Mark Pinkston, would you, what would you advise Regina Ip's stance to be? Mark Pinkston? Hello? Hello? The, the government side. She is uh, pro-establishment, and, and uh, so therefore she's, she's virtually... And she's not scared to speak against government as well. Uh, I can't read in mind at the moment, but I think she would support uh, the government uh, in its move against uh, Apple Daily um, and, uh, and its um, connections with foreign interests, as the saying goes. Um, other than that, it's purely up to what she, what she feels. Of course, but she, she's been very careful to say that she cannot say she is a candidate now because otherwise all of her meals and everything else start to become campaign expenses. Um, so she's tiptoeing around that one, whether she's a candidate. But you're, you're not in a similar place. If you were her advisor, and again, and if she were a candidate for CE... Uh, what would you advise her to do about this particular case? Um, it's putting I, you on well, the spot, she Pinky. Would still, <laughs> she, she would still, um, uh, and I would advise her to, uh, stick with the, the government policies, but handle it in a far more diplomatic way. Um, Peter Lee is just shooting from the hip. He has no diplomacy whatsoever 
uh, where I think Regina does, and she also speaks her mind. Uh, I, I would advise her uh, to to stick with the um, with the establishment line. But maybe okay. query the five hundred. Well, the five hundred. That well, uh, I think Regina would even agree that that's over the top. And I would advise it to say so. Grace Lung, uh, I mean, and one thing is that Apple Daily, um, uh, you know, it's not just an outspoken newspaper. Isn't there a, in, in an argument that Apple Daily has, has really been kind of uh, at the heart of many of the demonstrations? You know, it prints out banners and people will, will hold up copies of, of uh, images from the Apple Daily and it's produced uh, all kinds of ways and will give information. It's really at the heart of the demonstrations and has been for, for many years now, since, since uh, 2040, well, since really since uh, 2003, uh, when it you know, was played a very big part in the anti-Article uh, 23 demonstrations then. Apple Daily has been a lot more than just a newspaper, and now it's got to pay the price for that, arguably. Oh, yeah. Um, actually, that is what they call in the Western uh, definition uh, advocacy journalism. So I think this is legal in the uh, Western society uh, because uh, some newspapers are not only providing objective facts, uh, but they will also um, take part or maybe they will promote some kind of ideas that they think uh, it is worth to pursue. So uh, Apple Daily in the past uh, uh, decades, two decades, uh, they are actually practicing that kind of advocacy journalism. So I think these um, incidents uh, may... Uh, try to occur down this kind of uh, advocacy journalism and, and, and will uh, define it as uh, illegal in this sense. So um, uh, I think that would be uh, press freedom will suffer in this aspect because um, uh, we, we will have um, uh, but we don't know at this point whether Apple Daily will close down uh, mm. or not because uh, judging by the financial situation, it is uh, quite uh, pessimistic about whether it can still keep on operating in uh, under these conditions. And then the second part is uh, if uh, we don't have Apple Daily as a newspaper, then uh, whether we will um, have a fewer diversified in uh, the noise or maybe different kinds of opinions uh, are circulating mm -hmm. in our society. And then the third one is uh, related to that kind of advocacy journalism that can be no longer... Uh, that can no longer be tolerated under the present situation. But, but sorry, Miss Lung, the advocacy journalism um, is, is a question of whether you distinguish clearly between the, your reporting and your editorial. I mean, the Financial Times arguably uh, has advoca advocacy advocates rampant capitalism. Uh, the the uh, think, Fox think, News yeah, advocates uh, everything... You know about Trump. journalism nowadays, even CNN or New York Times. Right. Uh, during the uh, period uh, presidential election, they really stand for one single side, and then they did not have representative from other side. So I think that is already a kind of advocacy journalism. Right. CK now, what, what do you think about this? Because Apple Daily is kind, is exceptional, isn't it? And it really has, it's not just advocacy as, as well. It's, it, it really is action, isn't it? It really it's is at the heart of many of the, of the, of the protests. Well, well, I think the to discuss the role of journalism, I think it's, I mean, there are many, many views, right? But the, uh, whether it's advocacy or non-advocacy journalism, whatever you say, you, you, I mean, whatever you report, right? The decision to report on 
certain issue from a certain perspective would have an influence on what other people uh, feel about that issue. In, in that sense, every report is, is an advocacy, right? It's part of free speech. But, I mean, uh, uh, I think, I, I think this is not uh, uh, really the major issue. I think the issue we're, we're, we're seeing is that I think from Beijing's point of view, Hong Kong has gone through a very unusual period in which uh, a lot of people have shown that they have very strong, very critical views about the way Hong Kong has been governed. And I think, you, I mean, and we have to see things from a broader picture. I think when you have, I mean, uh, 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 what Hong Kong has gone through, I think in, in any society, whatever the political system, when you have such a strong social movement against the authorities, it shows that something is very wrong with society. Okay? Um, if you look back in Hong Kong's own history, uh, when Hong Kong went through uh, similar periods of social unrest, uh, afterwards, I think the authorities will try to take very strong actions to try to pacify the situation. And I think we have to focus on, I think, the next move. What I hope is that the, the government will really be able to tackle the so-called deep-rooted problems, social problems that has been affecting Hong Kong, I mean, over, I mean, since 1997. Well, I mean, the government used to put a blame on the fact that uh, we had a dysfunctional legislative council. Okay, now, I don't know, right, in the, in the come September, the new legal, right, most of the members would be patriots, according to Beijing's definition. Well, they've all got to well, be patriots. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> but uh, uh, apart from the 20% that are going to be directly like that, that's, 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 that's not too sure about the outcome, right? But anyway, I think the, the social unrest that we've all witnessed, right, had a sort of a foundation in the uh, very serious, I think, uh, uh, discontent that people have, right? And I think the, uh, it is very important now for the government to focus on the deep-rooted uh, uh, social issues that has sort of fueled the widespread resentment against the authorities, against Hong Kong's uh, political system, everything. Okay? I think we have to really, I mean, take concrete measures to address those. It's like, for example, after the 1967 riot, well, Macri Ho was sent by the British government to be governor here, yeah? and he launched, uh, I mean, a wide range of measures to uh, improve the social situation. And I, I think Mike mm. Rouse, you were, you arrived here about well, that time as a journalist, right? I, I mean, did. Well, well I wasn't a journalist initially, but yes, I arrived around that yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, uh, whatever. But, but we have all seen that. I mean, and now people are remembering that period when the Hong Kong colonial government did many things to address social inequalities. Right? But what about before 1967? You know, if you look back, in 1971, there was a book uh, published in the UK called Hong Kong, the Industrial Colony, which outlined all the serious problems Hong Kong faced. The irony is, I think Hong Kong, after 1997, even though we have tremendous GDP growth rate, but social, I mean, wealth, the disparities have worsened. And that is, I mean, one of the major reasons why people are so unhappy. Right. CK. I mean, young people see no hope. Uh, I, 
Okay, a couple of uh, um, uh, emails. CW says, 500 police to raid Apple daily, overkill, and part of a plan to erase the company. Why not have more focus on the thousands of illegally parked vehicles that the police turn a blind eye to? Better thing to do with the 500 police. Uh, Jay says, we seem to have a lot of speculation about what's going on. Perhaps the token lemon. Carrie Lamb could get on the phone to President Xi and ask him, does he actually know what's happening and it's happening here and the reason why the security is upsetting uh, everyone? Simon says, when will Mark Pinkston, Grenville Cross and Ronnie Tong realise it's time for them to stop talking about things they don't understand and have no input or influence on? The government and common law legal system they use to participate in no longer exist in Hong Kong. They are part of the colonial past, which is rectified by a new breed of fake patriot stroke royal trash, loyal trash, uh, who will be discarded once they've served the CCP's purpose. All actions taken by the Hong Kong government who with the express approval and direction of old men in Beijing, not old men uh, in Hong Kong. Hong Kong. Uh, Alan says the NSL presumes the person is guilty and the onus is on that person to prove his innocence. When it comes to bail, the assumption is that the person is already guilty and will offend again if bail is granted. This is the view of the judge when considering the issue. However, common sense would dictate that anyone arrested would not compound the problem by doing something that actually caused the arrest in the first place. The legislation is there to remove people and organisations considered by the authorities to be opposing them. That's from Alan. And TC on Facebook says the respective treatment the RT HK and Tarkong Power received, where the offence is the same and the case is tried by the same judge, highlight the problem. This isn't an issue about the system before and after 1997, but the people within the system. That's from TC. Yeah, I wanted to ask about this um, uh, to whoever wants to jump in with an answer. The only di- This is the Transport Department form and both reporters ticked a box, which is arguably not the purpose of the form, and they were both uh, dealt with, taken, prosecuted. The only difference I can see is that the Tarkum Powell reporter said that they'd noticed this car was following them, uh, and therefore they wanted to find out who it was who was following them. And the for the RDHK reporter, it was uh, exploring what really happened at Yun Long. Is that sufficient a difference for the prosecutor to accept binding over in one case? Or does the prosecutor owe the public more of an explanation? TK? Well, um, I, well I, I have looked at press reports about this, but I have not sort of, uh, I mean, stuck uh, deeply in that. But what I saw, I think I, I heard the, uh, uh, the government lawyer seem to be saying that there's a difference, that the Takumpo reporter... I think basically admitted that he had done that and uh, agreed to be bound over, whereas the RTHK producer, former producer, refused to do that. Uh, they, they say that's the difference. Uh, I don't know whether uh, 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 this is uh, uh, really what happened, and I, have no, I don't have sufficient uh, knowledge about, I mean, the two cases to be able to make a, a, a comment along the line that you did. Yeah. Pinky? Well, I, I don't know about the uh, Takung Po story. But with the um, RTHK, the girl that took checked the transport uh, department for the number, I think she, she would have got away with it, basically, if there had not been a complaint by the person she was tracking down. And the reason I think that she was, she was charged and eventually convicted was because as a result of a direct police complaint which they had to follow up 
It's not because she's a reporter or RTHK. Uh, it's purely that the the uh, the harassment uh, which the her, her complainant had made. Um, I, I, the, the, the story, I, I'm sorry, I don't know anything about it. Grace Lung, any thoughts on that and what, what looks like differential treatment? Oh, uh, I agree that I don't have uh, much information, but uh, I just uh, watch, uh, read from the social media that even though we don't want to admit or maybe we don't willing to accept, but uh, we have to accept that the fact that uh, nowadays we, this is a new normal to our society. Uh, uh, even the court say that the two cases are similar, and then the judge will rule uh, based on uh, the same principle or same standard on the same case. But at, at the end, the outcome will be different. So probably we can see uh, uh, that there, there may be reason behind uh, legal uh, reasoning, uh, maybe that political uh, fact. So I don't know, but uh, we have probably we need to accept politics have become part of the issue in different aspects of our life. Okay. Uh, some uh, f uh, thoughts to finish off. Peter says, do you and your commentators have any thoughts on how the Apple Daily raid compares to media raids in other Western countries under national security laws, of which many were in the past? The most recent raids of editors' homes and the ABC's offices in Australia in 2019 come to mind. ABC even didn't call for foreign interference and sanctions by uh, overseas governments. They only revealed a plan by one of Australia's surveillance agencies, the Australian Signals Directorate, to broaden its powers to spy on citizens without their knowledge. Australia doesn't even have a Bill of Rights which would protect media outlets from these kinds of charges and raids. That's from uh, Peter. It's interesting, actually, that, that raid, uh, you can uh, see it. It's, it, was, it was filmed. So uh, we say a raid. I mean, there were six men in suits who arrived at the, uh, the ABC offices, not, not uh, 500 uh, armed, so 494 armed, uh, armed policemen, so uh, a little different. Uh, Alan says, uh, you, Hugh, said that Apple has notoriously engaged in advocacy journalism. True. So what? That's what press freedom is about. It's nothing at all to do with national security. All the other newspapers, every TV station and most radio stations engage in pro-CCP advocacy all day, every day, vilifying their opponents, advocating action against them, no police raid for them. So it's not advocacy that's the problem. It's simply which side you are on. Uh, similar points made uh, by uh, others. Um, uh, Andrew says, is pro-China Tarkung Pao advocacy journalism? Uh, uh, and those like it, uh, is it ideologically sound? And uh, EA says, excuse me, to single out Apple Daily as being the only advocacy journalism is massively undermining, uh, sorry, underestimating the fact that China Daily, Epoch Times, have their own pro-China only viewpoint. I think Epoch Times is pro-China viewpoint. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Ditto, Tarkung Pao and Wenwei Po have their own viewpoints. I think that it's completely incorrect for RTHK to make such a statement without clearly identifying that those three publications are advocacy journalism. That comes uh, from uh, EA. Thank you very much indeed, indeed for uh, those comments and to uh, all our guests today. I think that's uh, uh, all on that topic uh, for the moment. Thank you very much indeed to Grace Lung, uh, lecturer in the School of Journalism and Communication at the Chinese University, from the Baptist University, uh, C.K. Lau, who's head of the Department of Journalism, and Mark Pinkston, a former government chief information officer. Thank you all very much indeed for uh, joining us this morning and bringing the time now to uh, 24 minutes to nine. Uh, finally today, we wanted to uh, turn 
to um, a uh, pilot scheme that uh, the uh, government uh, is uh, running out now, uh, some uh, $8 billion, uh, which will be given as a subsidy, uh, uh, monthly cash allowances uh, starting in uh, July, uh, to people who have waited years for public housing. Uh, this could uh, include uh, 90,000 households, uh, it's reported. This would be low-income families. Uh, to join us for comment, uh, Vera Yun joins us now, lecturer in the Faculty of Business and Economics at the University of Hong Kong. Lishun, good morning to you. Good morning. Hi, thanks so much indeed for, for, for joining us. So what, what do you make of this, uh, this scheme, first of all? Do you think it's a, a valuable scheme? Do you think it's going to be useful? Well, for um, families who have been waiting for public housing, nowadays it takes about five on eight years, according to the statistics of the Housing Authority, to be housed in the public housing scheme, like for family applicants. So for these families, if they do not yet have, uh, you know, somebody to live with in a bigger family, then they have to rent in the market. And if they're low income, uh, the rent would be of a great burden to them. So it would be helpful uh, to these applicants overall. But Miss Yoon, uh, good morning, this is Mike Rouse. Isn't it but the, the obvious thing to happen now is that the rents will go up and the landlords will say, oh, you've got however many thousand dollars a month. Right. That, that's how much more I'm going to charge you for living. Yeah, it really depends. So it, um, it will have some effect, but it could be not so significant because you need to look at like who are eligible and how many of them are in the market. So um, there are currently 150,000 these kind of applicants in the queue, and I guess 90% of them would be uh, would have been in the waiting list for more than three years, according to a statistic given by the Housing Authority. That when the family were housed in 2000. Uh, year 2000, 90% of them actually wait for more than um, three years. But then they need to do a like income and means test. And the fact is in Hong Kong, well, for some applicants, they only meet the means test when they hand in the application and also when they were housed because they would um, just resign from the job so that they meet the income and means test. So not all of them would be eligible for application or they would lose their place in the queue. So, well, even for this case, I assume all of them would apply for it. Um, there would be 150,000 of these families receiving some kind of subsidies. But if you look at the rental market, um, currently in Hong Kong, according to Census and Statistics Department, um, there are about uh, 1.3 million um, household that are renting apartments. So if you look at um, the proportion, it's, it's about um, slightly higher than 10% of these families so, getting... Right. So there, there yeah. are restraints on what landlords can charge because of, of there's a free market. So they can't just say, OK, I'm going to double your rent... Uh, no, the, the problem is they only contribute to like about 10% of the market, these right. families. So the other 90% in the market do not get these subsidies. So, I mean, there could be an effect, but uh, that's the first step to estimate, uh, but the effect may not be very huge. 
second, it depends on market elasticity. So if um, there's more elasticity in the supply, which means when the rent can be raised with more supply, which means it wouldn't um, rise um, by a significant amount. If there's demand elasticity, that means if the rent rise, some of the people who rent homes like, you know, um, children of some families, they move out to live themselves. And then they find that the rent too high, they will move back to their home. This is for demand elasticity. Then, then it would, um, I mean, um, help with the situation that the rent will rise too much. So it really depends on the two factors, that how many of these families are being subsidized. So it's about 10% of the market. And second question, elasticity of the market, um, that, that would depend on, on the market. Right. So I cannot be certain that it would rise to a significant So amount. there are economic forces working in, in both directions. To some extent, they will cancel each other out. Um, what about the alternative of putting people in hotels? Um, well, I think it's a good idea because there are vacancies um, nowadays and you can make use of the vacancy to provide um, places for them to live and to improve some of their housing situation. But um, when I look at the scheme, I think the number of um, places over are not that a lot. Big, um, and then there are some restrictions and also public administration procedures, etc. But it would be better than none. And also, it, um, I think it's the social workers would select those who are, like, who are in need with these because of their very bad housing situation. So it would be... Yeah. Well, why is this housing situation bad? I mean, and the, you know, we've the waiting list is getting longer, isn't it? Uh, not shorter. Um, why? Why is that? Is that due to shortage of land and all those kinds of problems, or is there some something else going on? What do you think? Michelle? Oh, there are many reasons. Um, they actually have land ready mm-hmm. um, for public housing, but they are very slow to do. So there's problem with um, housing authority and the government to actually, you know, get the land into, you know, building um, public housing. So there's one case in Tokawan that um, because um, the Agriculture and Fisheries Department had a centre there and they refused to move, so that place um, has been on hold and then they couldn't, you know, build new public housing, even though that land is already designated for this purpose. So there are many these kind of reasons uh, why it becomes so low for public housing to be produced. And, of course, because of the um, rising rents and house prices, but then the income of families could not catch up with this. So, I mean, public housing becomes more attractive as an option. So there will be more people who queue for public housing because of that. So, I mean, there's, of course, there's not enough supply um, to meet the demand. Okay, well, uh, many thanks for uh, joining us. Uh, Vera Yun, the lecturer in the Faculty of Business and Economics at the University of Hong Kong. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Mike, thank you very much indeed. Did, did we say anything on air that's going to get us into trouble? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Uh, we'll see. Um, uh, yeah, if I'm not here tomorrow... <laughs> 
Okay. Uh, here's an interesting uh, email uh, on a different topic. This is from uh, Jim. Just to uh, finish off, this is Jim H., uh, who says, As an 80-year-old Texas-born black American of multicultural ancestry, I would like my non-American Hong Kong friends to understand that Sleepy Joe Biden is a fake. Juneteenth was, is a day of abuse, in uh, inverted commas, in the few states in the post-Civil War American South, in which the pr- practice of racial segregation, known as Jim Crow, was strictly enforced upon black people. In Texas, the day is not celebrated by black Americans. It's a mid-week day off with pay. A blacks-only day was enforced throughout the post-Civil War states of southern USA. Only black people were allowed to enter venues of public amusement, no whites. In the 1940s, the southern states' legislated Jim Crow practice was replaced by the federally legislated practice of a strict segregational policy uh, by the federal government. Hence, Crazy Joe changes nothing. Uh, the racist practices of America remains the same. Old Joe knows these facts and has sat as a federal lawmaker for nearly 50 years and has sat in the highest office of the nation for eight and one half years and has done nothing to stop or condemn the human rights abuse of practice by of murder by cops in America. Old, dumb, sleepy Joe cannot be believed or trusted. By the way, I'm not being disrespectful to this lifelong politician. He is dumb for saying if black people didn't vote for him, then they weren't black. I didn't vote for him and I am still black. That comes from Jim H. Thank you very much indeed, Mike. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks once again to uh, producer Yuki Jung and the weather forecast. Mainly cloudy with a few showers. Uh, isolated thunderstorms around at first and uh, it's going to be very hot with sunny periods during the day. Temperatures up to about 33 degrees in the urban areas and a little bit warmer in the new territories. The outlook, more showers tomorrow. The showers heavy at times in the following couple of days. There's a thunderstorm warning now and a very hot weather warning. 31 Celsius at the moment. Relative humidity now at 83 The deadline for special voter registration is July 5th. Individuals eligible to register as ex-officio members in the election committee, individuals and bodies eligible to register as election committee subsector voters, whether currently registered or not, and for functional constituencies, newly eligible or affected existing electors eligible for another functional constituency, should submit their registration applications by July 5th. Visit the voter registration website for details. 934, the news now with Samantha Butler. Pro-democracy newspaper Apple Daily could be forced to shut in a matter of days, according to an advisor to jailed founder Jimmy Lai. Mark Simon, speaking to Reuters news agency from the United States, said the company planned to hold a board meeting today to discuss the way forward. Liberal Party lawmaker Felix Chung says the government's consumption voucher scheme has spurred many businesses to start using electronic payments. The government announced on Friday that the first of its planned e-vouchers for adult residents would be handed out from August the 1st. But analyst Alex Wong from Ample Capital said he didn't think the voucher scheme would boost take-up of e-payment systems in the city. And police say a growing number of people are allowing money launderers to use their bank accounts.